Welcome to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. My name is Rebecca Whitman, and I'm a success mentor. I believe there are seven pillars of success. Your spiritual life, your physical fitness, your emotional, romantic, mental, social, and finally, your financial life. When you get all seven areas in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. I learned this the hard way. I've always made money. Unfortunately, I spent so much time making money that I never had time for the rest of my life. So, despite not having financial worries, I was never happy. I wanted romance, but I didn't have time to date. I wanted to be in great shape, but I couldn't find a moment to go to the gym. I wanted a more spiritual life, but I didn't meditate. That also takes time. I wanted to read great books and fill my mind with deep thoughts, but I never made the time. I wanted a great social life, not just going to work-related events. Emotionally, I was a wreck because my life was totally out of balance. Today, I earn more money than I ever have in my life, and I work only part-time. I have the relationship of my dreams. I'm in the best physical shape of my life. I'm spiritually grounded. I feel fulfilled mentally, socially, and emotionally. My life is in perfect alignment. This podcast will help you discover where your life is out of balance. My mission is to support you in achieving work-life balance so that you can have more fun and freedom in life. On my show, you will get to learn from experts in all seven areas of abundance. My guests have achieved tremendous success in their zone of genius. Are you ready to go to a level 10 in all seven areas of life? You got this. Yay! Hi, David Meltzer. Yay! Hello, Rebecca. How are you? I am so good. Welcome to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. I adore the name, and I can't think of a better title and a better place to be. So thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I, I heard you speak on Clubhouse two weeks ago, and it was like, just love at first listen. And I was like, I've got to get this guy on my show. I'm in your mastermind. I'm like a huge fan, an overnight fan. So I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, well, thank you so much for being a fan at all and helping me with my mission of empowering over a billion people to be happy. And I can tell by your energy and your glow that you are absolutely a great ambassador of happiness. I am so happy. Very, very happy. And let me tell my audience a little bit about your awesomeness. So David Meltzer is the co-founder of a sports marketing, uh, very famous agency that the movie Jerry Maguire was based on. He has been recognized by Variety Magazine as the Sports Humanitarian of the Year. He is the executive producer of the Bloomberg and Amazon primetime series, Two Minute Drill and Office Hours, and he also executive produces the entrepreneur's number one digital show, Elevator Pitch. I know you're also a best-selling author, keynote speaker, multimillionaire. I love it, and I love your mission to inspire one billion people to be happy. So that leads me to my first question. I know you had a huge spiritual awakening. You went from being like just money, money, money oriented to the point it alienated your wife and your mom and They were like, we don't know you anymore. 
So how did you have that awakening to go from just going for uh, money to like having this mission to create all this happiness and peace in the world? Well, real quickly, there's three red flags that really had a significant impact in my life. The first was when I was 30 years old, my father gave me a birthday present, the first present I had received in over 20 years from him. And it was a jacket with no pockets. And when I received it, I was less than pleased uh, because I felt as if he was punishing me. And when I called him, I asked him, why would you do this to me after 20 years giving me a jacket I could not wear? And he told me that he was worried about me, that I was just like him, that money does not buy love, it does not buy happiness, and that he did not want me to make the same mistakes that he had made at 30, a multimillionaire married to my dream girl from the fourth grade uh, with everything I ever desired on earth. I was not ready to hear it. So I told my father at that time that I hated him, that he was, I was nothing like him, that he was a liar, a cheater, manipulator, an overseller, backend seller. And I wanted <laughs> nothing to do with him. The second red flag came six years later when I was running Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, the most notable sports agency in the world. And not only by this time was I a multimillionaire, but I also had access to everything that even billionaires could afford. The Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, Masters, Kentucky Derby, the Breeders' Cup, the ESPYs, Emmys, Oscars, Grammy, the list went on. But I also was still married to my dream girl from the fourth grade, and now I had three gorgeous daughters uh, at that time. So literally, I had everything I ever dreamed of and even more. I always said not, I was one of those people that not only took for granted what other people were wishing for. I got to a point in my life that I took for granted what I was wishing for. <laughs> and it was amazing. <laughs> but I got my second red flag, which was my best friend, Rob, from the fourth grade as well. The boy, <laughs> the boy who did me a favor in sixth grade camp and asked my wife to go steady with me for me because I was too much of a chicken. And she said, no, tell him to ask me himself. And I threw an egg at her and rocks at her. So it was just a miracle this woman ever married me 20 years later. Right. But more importantly, I invited Rob to go to the Masters with me, which is of all sporting events, truly a sport like none other. And I invited him to go on a private plane to go to the back cabins with Curtis Strange to meet Joe Montana and Wayne Gretzky and all the great famous people that I was going to surround myself with. And he told me no. And I was like in shock. I was like, dude, Rob, you've been my best friend since the fourth grade. And I'm offering you your dream trip. How could you not go with me? And he said, David, I don't like who you hang out with and I don't like what you're doing. And I said, come on, Rob, I'm not doing those things. I, you know, I'm not doing what those other guys are doing. He said to me, David, you can lie to me all you want, but you really got to stop lying to yourself. I'm worried about you. You're going to end up dead. And wow. I was angry at my best friend, told him I hated him. Told him, you know, same thing, never want to be around him. How dare he talk to me that way? I've been a good friend to him. Two weeks later was the third and the most significant. I uh, wanted to go to the Grammy Awards with a famous rapper named Little John. And my wife told me. Oh, yeah, I know him. Yeah, yeah, you know him. And John, uh, 
I, I asked my wife and she said, David, I'm worried about you. You're not paying attention to the family. You're not paying attention to your work. You're partying way too much. I'm, you, you really shouldn't go. We got to start changing things. And I lied to her. I went anyway. I changed my clothes in the car. I came home at 530 in the morning, completely wasted. And my wife, as I walked in at 530 in the morning, told me, this is my dream girl from the fourth grade. I'm not happy. I want to leave you. You better take stock in who you were and what you want and what you want to become because you're going to end up dead. And I don't want to be around. I'm taking the girls. I'm not happy. I wasn't ready to hear it. I told her I hated her. I told her, <laughs> you know, I was going to show her. I woke up the next morning in even a worse place thinking about how I was going to take her happiness, her money, call a divorce lawyer. I was going to show her. Unbelievably enough, I look into my closet as I reach the lowest point of my life. And there's that jacket mm-hmm. staring at me. I get choked up because it was so, I don't know, divine intervention. I hadn't seen that jacket in years, but it was there. And I said to myself, man, I don't hate my father. I don't hate my best friend, Rob. And I certainly don't hate my dream girl. I hate myself. I'm a liar, a cheater, manipulator, overseller, backend seller. And I better take stock in who I was and what I want to become. And from that day, I've worked extremely hard uh, to evolve, to grow. Progress, not perfection. I'm not a perfect individual, but I took stock in gratitude, the ability to find light, love, and lessons in everything, which was something I grew up with. Uh, Empathy, forgiveness, being able to forgive myself and others. Accountability, the ability to be accountable for everything in my life and to learn from it instead of blaming, shaming, and justifying everything in my life. And then most importantly, the greatest shift was I was going to live with faith again that there was something bigger than me, something, an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source that loved me more than my mom loved me, more than I even loved my children. And I was going to live my life in faith that all the pain, setbacks, failures, and mistakes that I made are here to promote me and protect me, not punish me. And those three flags, those three incidences allowed me on a 16-year journey since 2006, including in 2008, I lost over $100 million, which most people think was my great (laughs) awakening. I always say that wasn't even close. My basement had a bottom, and two years before I lost everything was the catalyst for me to live a life consistently, persistently in the pursuit of my potential. Wow, that is such a beautiful story. And I'm so grateful that you had such a big spiritual awakening because you're empowering me and so many other hundreds of thousands and one day billions of people. So that is so awesome. So I've been listening to your clubhouse rooms and you have a very positive philosophy on business instead of high-end and back-end selling now you have a win-win business model and you base it on something called a mutual referral agreement can you tell my audience what you mean by that absolutely so for me number one instead of trying to convince specific avatars demographics age size economic backgrounds to share a vision with me 
I have created a new philosophy of finding open minds. So my first vetting process of people is I want to surround myself with people with open minds because they have open hearts and open hands. And all I want to determine after I find out if you have an open mind is whether or not we can be sponsors of one another, meaning there's somewhere we could help one another, or even we could be power sponsors of one another that, you know, we could help others and find other people that can help. So I created a memorialization, a mutual referral agreement. I call it an overlap agreement because it just overlaps my daily activities and allows me to number one, find out if you have an open mind, but two, ask open-ended questions, determine how I can be of service or value to you, or if I know someone that can be service or value to you. And then secondarily, how can you help me? Or do you know anyone that can help me? So this simple yet positive uh, mutual agreement, a memorialization that is digital and searchable so that I can remember, oh yeah, what was the name of that realtor in Virginia? What was the name of my dentist? What can I do for them? And just have a memorialization. This isn't an agreement about trust. It's not an agreement about binding one another. It's an abundant agreement to remind, recollect, and remember that we can create value between the two of us by being of service or value between us. And it's changed my life. It's turned into now about eight figures of income over all these years of providing value to others and others providing value to me. Well, I got to tell you, I heard, I heard you once on the Breakfast of Champions room and I already have my first mutual referral agreement signed. <laughs> so awesome. I'm a quick study. I love it. So You're very cool. Quick. I didn't... Well, you, you know, it's interesting because I, I teach coherence and I love people like you, Rebecca, that not only remember, but actually do. And, you know, I teach gratitude in that realm of, hey, just remember to say thank you and actually say thank you and your life will change. So for you to implement your first mutual referral agreement shows me that you have coherence, which is a superpower, the ability to remember and actually do. Well, thank you. I didn't think he'd sign it. I thought he'd say, go F yourself. I'm not giving you 10%. Are you crazy? And he's like, it was signed. He's like, and then he said, there's two more other businesses. I want you to have a mutual referral agreement with me. I was like, oh my God, this is genius. Oh, I can't tell you how many business opportunities that I've gotten and how many fun memorializations I have of, you know, people buying me, you know, gift cards to my favorite restaurant for helping them. So it's not just 10, you know, I like the 10 and 20% deals, which end up to be a lot. But That's I really the like, agent in you. Yeah. I love the creativity of like, <laughs> hey, I get a hundred dollar credit at the dentist, you know, and then, you know, my wife showing up and like, hey, I didn't have to pay for the cleaning. I'm like, why not? Oh, you had a $200 credit. I was like, what's that for? You brought him two new clients. I was like, okay, that's awesome. I forgot about it. I love the barter system. That's, that's amazing. So I want to hear about your unwind routine. I know a lot of people, including yourself, believe in a morning practice. I believe a morning practice is so important too. But what's more ra rarer is the evening routine. So tell us about your unwind routine. I'm so curious. Yeah, so my unwinding routine is shifting the paradigm of time. So the first significant thing about it is that I think in order to be productive, accessible, and gracious with the 24 hours of activity that we get each day, that we don't 
don't have to work within the context of man-made constructs. So, you know, someone shocked me one day and it totally changed my idea of time. He said, you know, there could easily be 73 weeks of five days, the same as there's 52 weeks of seven days. And I'm like, wait a second. And then I said, why does my, why does my tomorrow always have to start at 4 a.m.? Why can't my tomorrow start today at 9 p.m.? so that I can have an unwinding routine so that my tomorrow is not like the myth of Sisyphus in Camus, the stranger, where most people live their lives like tubes, food in, food out. They roll a boulder to the top of the hill each day in yeah. their activity they get paid for, and they wake up the next morning more tired than they went to sleep with the boulder at the bottom of the hill. Talk about crazy. The majority of people on earth go to sleep. So they wake up more tired. That'd be like going to eat and waking up more hungry. Uh, this is ridiculous. So I created an unwinding routine. My tomorrow starts tonight at 9 p.m. where I put my mind, my body and soul in a position of recovery uh, and access. So I'm recovering mentally, physically and spiritually, but I'm also accessing all the information, the downloads without my ego interfering with it, also relative and aligned and synergistic with my belief that I am healthy, I am happy, I am wealthy, and I am worthy. What am I doing to interfere with it? I've utilized that in the context of an unwinding routine so that I'm in the best position to recover and access information so that when I wake up at 4 a.m. for that valuable morning routine, I have now plateaued with a new baseline, a higher self to use as an indicator for when I start interfering during the day with my higher self. And this incremental growth, this plateau and grow strategy is completely reliant on having an unwinding routine, shifting the paradigm of time, allowing my tomorrow to start today and accelerating, growing, and expanding just like the universe. So many times we think we're living in a zero-sum game where we have to give to receive, or when we receive, somebody loses. No, we live in a value-add game, and so indicative of that value-add, we want to unwind so that when we sleep, we're actually adding to or accelerating and growing with the recovery and access that we receive through sleep instead of what? giving to receive, trading and negotiating, having ourselves go to sleep to wake up more tired at the bottom of the hill. We're now just progressing to the top of the hill at a more accelerated manner. Best thing I've ever done is create an unwinding routine. So does your unwinding routine, I understand looking at your calendar and getting clear on your day, do you unplug and like stop reading emails, stop returning texts, stop being on social media at a certain time every night? Yeah. So, yeah. 9 so what does that look like? So yeah, once, so, okay. right? yeah. So nothing, no negative energy at all. No blue lights, no, no nothing that's going to take any adrenaline, no caffeine, alcohol, nicotine, no neg no scary movies, even no uh, teenage conversations, right? Like I, I no Tabasco in the wound type of things. Like, you know, what do you, you know, what do you think we have a payment due, you know, next Thursday? I don't want any of those conversations until I wake up. So there is nothing that's going to interfere with my recovery and access. Temperature is at 67 degrees. It's dark. I'm with, you know, the right type of blankets, the right type of bedding, the right type of pillows that are 
conducive to me and my sleep, understanding my sleep cycles. I have a sleep coach. I believe in mentorship, as you know, not only me being a mentor, but I always have mentors. And one of my uh, oldest and longest relationships with a mentor is my sleep coach because I travel 200 days a year because a third of my life is spent sleeping. I want to make sure that I'm maximizing the productivity, the accessibility and the gratitude, not only when I'm awake, not only with what I have planned, not only with what I don't have planned, not only the activity I have get paid for or not paid for, but my sleep. And so that's why it's so important to have not only an unwinding routine, but some sort of mentorship with that sleep so that you can expand and grow and accelerate, plateau and grow each day of your life. I love that because I have fallen asleep so many times with my cell phone in my hand. And this is going to be one, one of many great things that I learned already from your mentoring. So I'm excited to, do, to see if I can do that because I'm so addicted to my phone. It's, it's going to be a, a stretch for me. It's remember, so I know we're out of time. Progress, not perfection. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Do I have time for one more question? Or Only because it's go? you. I know. Only because it's you. You can have one more. You know, we're, we're both Jewish and from Ohio, so that's got to be worth something. Oh, my God. My wife is lucky. I'm so in love with her because that's my dream girl. <laughs> Jewish from Ohio. And if not my dream girl, for sure, my mom's. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, go Bengals, right? I'm so excited yeah. for them. all right awesome so i love the concept of your show elevator pitch so i want to know what makes a successful elevator pitch yeah so i have actually a couple pitch shows so i'm the executive producer of entrepreneurs elevator pitch but i also have two minute drill which is on bloomberg and apple tv and so i am a judge in a lot of pitch competitions and tv shows so here's the five things that make a great pitch Number one, credibility. Most people discount credibility. They'll oversell, back and sell, lie, manipulate, and cheat in their pitch, and the energy will be off. If you're 100% credible in your pitch, you can convince anybody of anything. Now, that's the goal, to be as credible as possible. So make sure you go through your pitch with a fine-tooth credibility comb to make sure you're as honest and authentic as possible. Number two, You need emotional attachment in a good pitch. People buy on emotion for logical reasons. So make sure that you're aligned with what people like and and also what they don't like and illuminate that so that you can have that emotional bond, which will increase your statistical success of sharing a vision. The third thing that you need is the ability to articulate the quantitative reasons why you should do what we're asking in the pitch. Not, mm-hmm. Notice I said not just quantify, but articulate the quantified reasons. And why I say that is a lot of times when we're pitching, we're so close to or we're so in love with our product, service, or solution, we assume the person knows everything that we know about what we're doing. So we need to make sure we're practicing articulating the quantified reasons why you should move forward. The fourth one is important, especially today, which is I think it's important in a pitch to indicate the impact that it has. And so because we are a different society today, I believe a more advanced and enlightened one, impact has created even greater weight than the quantitative value or reasons. So make sure that you illustrate an impact 
on what your product, service, or solution will have. And then finally, probably counterintuitive to most pitches or most people that are not well-trained, is that the features and benefits, the capabilities should only be used as an arsenal or a value add to your credibility, to the emotional uh, attachment, to the articulation of the quantified uh, reasons and the impact. The features and benefits should not be utilized to sell. They are an arsenal to support the credibility, emotional attachment, reasons, and impacts. If you use all five of these, credibility, emotional attachment, quantified articulation of the reasons, impact, and utilization of the capabilities as an arsenal, you will have such statistical success in your pitch, no matter whether it's an elevator pitch for one minute or the two-minute drill, the two-minute pitch, or a 15-minute presentation in front of the biggest VCs in the world. These are the five crucial components of the perfect pitch. You're like a personal trainer for business pitches. I love it. You got it. It's all through experience and dummy text. Nobody has screwed up more than me. And I just like to share my screw ups with everyone. I love how you have like systematized and named so many just like vague aspects of business to make it like anyone can do it if they just follow your systems, which is so cool. All right. I'm pushing it because, you know, the Jewish girl from Ohio thing, last question, I promise. And then we'll talk about how people can stay in touch with you. What, and I know my audience is going to love this question. What are the five daily habits of high performers? The five daily habits of five performers are number one, know your what. Know what you want every day. Don't be afraid of being a hypocrite. Don't think about what other people want for you, what you're missing or you don't have. What do you want every day, personally, experientially, giving and receiving wise, aligned with your midterm and long-term objectives? Number two, know your who who you can help with what you want, because as always, the best thing we can do for ourselves is other, help other people get what they want, but also what can and who can help you. So who can you help and who can help you is number two. Yes. Three, know your how. Really know how I can be productive, accessible, and gracious. Know how I can utilize the man-made construct of time to be efficient, effective, and statistically successful. Number four, know your now. of the things you do now get done. The understanding of knowing what to do now is indicative that you know the what, the who, and the how. Understanding if you feel overwhelmed, you should be blessed because it means you're living in abundance. It means you have more than enough, more than enough options, more than enough parties to go to, more than enough people. Instead of feeling overwhelmed, know you're now That allows you to prioritize. Prioritization is the antidote not only to being overwhelmed, but it's the antidote to procrastination. When you know you're now, you get things done and you know what's important to you and you're able to prioritize what you have planned, but also you're able to prioritize things that come up that you don't have planned and you just get more done. Finally, the fifth daily practice is to apply your why. Knowing that there's four steps in applying your why, identify what interferes with what you already are, happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. Identify the ego-based consciousness of the need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, guilty. We're both Jewish. Uh, Things like that (laughs) that get in the way. And 
Then when you identify it, stop, don't resist it, fight it, go over it, under it, through it, around it, stop, breathe through your nose, out through your mouth, get back to neutral and center, and then roll in the right trajectory, the what, the who, the how, and the now. When you apply your why, you'll realize that these ego-based consciousness, this ego-based interference Put your mind, your body, and soul on fire. And we've all learned since we were children, when you're on fire, you got to stop, drop, and roll. The five daily practices, know your what, your who, your how, your now. Apply your why. I will be happy to send those practices. I'll be happy to send my template for the overlap agreement, the mutual referral agreement. I will be happy for your audience to mail my book. I will sign it, pay for the book and shipping for everyone just email wow. me, David at dmeltzer.com. My personal email, I will receive it and send it myself. Wow, this is so cool, guys. So everyone who's listening to this, either on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, if you're listening, he's going to put his personal email, give you a signed free copy of his book, and he's going to pay for the shipping. He is going to give you this mutual referral agreement, which I already have one and I've known about it for like a week. So you guys can do it too. And the third thing is these five daily habits of successful people. So everyone, I know this show has been incredibly valuable. Share this show with someone, take a screenshot, Tag me or David in the story on Instagram. We'll happily reshare it. Thank you so much, David. Are there any other places where people can find you and keep in touch with you on social media? Just remember my name, David Meltzer, at David Meltzer everywhere, or Google David Meltzer. You'll find me. What a pleasure. Let's do this again, Rebecca. I adore you. You're amazing. I look forward to working with you as well. Remember, everyone, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Be happy. I love it. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate your time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Who says you can't have it all? I'm proof that you can. You just have to put your life into balance. Too much of anything, money, fitness, socializing, can overtake your life. When all seven aspects of your life work in harmony, you will achieve the balanced, beautiful, and abundant life you've always dreamed of. Please subscribe to hear more inspiring interviews. Is there someone you know who could benefit from this podcast? Please share this podcast with them. Please review this podcast. Your feedback will help me target your needs and plan for upcoming shows that answer your questions and feature guest speakers that can make a big difference in your life. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rebecca E. Whitman. Feel free to DM me to book a free balance assessment call. And don't forget, stay balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Like it's cold.